You know when your mojo is working, you feel like anything is possible. There's a spring in your step, your thoughts are clear, and well, you've just got the vibe. If you're looking for that vibe, or if you just want to keep it, you've come to the right station. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. I got my mojo working. Hey everybody and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have your company. Thanks for hitting the download button. It's good to have you on the big red bus that is the Mojo Radio Show this week. Another cracking show ahead. This time we're going to get wet. We're hitting the surf, folks. Surf is up on the Mojo Radio Show. And before we paddle out the back looking for the big wave, let's say good day to Robbo, who is sitting here. He's always in out the his, back. Uh, billabong, <laughs> in, in his billabong wetsuit. Yeah. Hello to our friends in billabong. That's right. How you going? <laughs> Looks more like a walrus than a seal. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was waiting for that. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> hey, uh, I've got some big news, mate. Check this out. What's this? What? Check this. Have a listen to this. Morning, Mojo Radio Show. Love the show. I've been listening for a while. My name is Oksana. And I'm just curious why the cool show like yours doesn't have any cool merchandise. So I would love to chat about it. Um, give me a call. My number is one 467 376 So we've got some hot European lady of some description chasing us because she wants to sell merchandise for us. How cool is that? No way! <laughs> so the Mojo Radio Show will have a merch stand with a hot Our Russian own chick merch stand. It. Imagine that. Here, I, and I've actually, I've actually got her number dialed in. Shall we have a chat to her? Yeah. yeah. All right, hang yeah. on. Here we go. It's Oksana. Oksana, it's Robbo and Gary from the Mojo Radio Show. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? Very well. We're excited by your proposition. I'm excited <laughs> as well. Hey, Oksana, it's Gary here. We're super keen on getting some merch done for the show. Is that what your business does? Yes. Um, we are a Sydney-based company, and um, you've probably seen in years that you've been guys in business, you've seen a lot of merch, and you probably see some cool one that everyone want to have, and you also see some not-so-cool one that everyone leaves behind. So what I do... Um, I basically just help people to find merchandise that everyone wants. So, Oksana, are we detecting a uh, an accent? I think you're the one with the accent. I speak perfectly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's all relative, Gaz. <laughs> oh, I reckon this chick's going to be perfect to, to run our merch for us, mate. I don't know where, yeah, I don't know where you're from, but where I come from, everyone have an accent like that. So... <laughs> So where do you where do you come from, Oksana? Uh, no, I originally I am from Russia. So, oh, cool! And I've nice. been in Australia for just almost twenty years. It's actually going to be twenty years in two months. And I started the company fifteen years ago because it was really looking around and see how much money corporate waste because it's obviously maybe it's not their money or, don't know, because it's last minute thing or they just think if they put the logo on it, it automatically make it cool. And I thought it must be a better way of doing it. And, you know, I use my Russian creativity because, you know, to grow up in a <laughs> communist country and, and you have nothing. So you learn to create and you learn to be resourceful and you learn to be... Different. So, what's the name of your company, Oksana? The name of the company is Intero. It's I N T E R O. It comes from Latin. It means to be. It's like empire. To be influencer. To 
they needed to be a source of new ideas. And I think it's perfectly of what we do and perfectly suits my personality as well. So... We, we at the show here, Rob and I, we don't have any advertisers. We don't have any sponsors. We don't, we don't spend time uh, talking about we, – we don't have any advertisers. We don't have any sponsors. So we run a little on a shoestring. So <laughs> your point about not wanting to waste a cent, uh, the only budget we have really is for Corona, Tim Tams and Mission Corn Chips. Um, mm. So we don't have a lot to waste. If if we were to do some merch, to have a hot Russian chick running our merch table for the Mm. Mojo radio show, what should we start? What's a cool product we could start with that we could offer to, if somebody, for example, gives us a really good ratings or review on iTunes and we want to give them some merch, what would you suggest we start with? Um, I I wish I just can give you like, this is is what you need to buy, but... This is where a lot of people think, you know, they start straight away, they go to the product. What's the product? Where my attitude is, forget about the product because product is irrelevant. What you're looking for, what's going to give you the result? What's going to make people go, oh my God, this was the best experience and guess what? I also get that. So we go and, and talk about what, what, you know, if you describe Mojo Show in five words, what are the words? Who is the people who are going to receive it? What do they do? Where are they going to be when you're going to give it to them? How are we going to deliver it? So all of this, when you put all these factors together, and then we decide that we need to give them product X. But the product become irrelevant because people so focusing on, let's start with the product. When I'm saying, let's start with the message and how do we want people feel? And then we will decide, I don't know, if people with mojo quotes and ideas going to be the right product and we're going to give it to winter and we're also going to give them a coffee mug and we're going to give them some coffee and coffee people are going to be a sponsor of the show so it doesn't going to cost us anything. And, and then it's become a whole sort of campaign, but it has a meaning and it has a story and it's, you can actually tell it. It's not just, oh, let's do USB and put Mojo on it. And then this is a promotion. The problem is there that we can't give away coffee because if we gave away coffee, just like in our old radio days, Gary would be raiding the prize cupboard and yeah, drinking, right. <laughs> drinking the product. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I've, I've got it now, Robbo. I can summarise the show in four words, Robbo. Yes, what's that? Soap on a rope. Oh. <laughs> we can take Mojo to the shower with you. I yeah. mean, imagine starting every day, yeah. finishing every day with a little bit of Mojo. Soap on a rope. Yeah. It's the first thing you see in the morning, yeah. the last thing you see at night time when you're about to go to bed. Yeah. Anna Devader would be all over that. She'd be saying... Well, you know the other thing? You know the other thing we could do, Gaz, is we could get onto um, Melissa Ambrosini from a couple of weeks ago, get hold of a few dry body brushes. <laughs> <laughs> see, we're whiteboarding. We're just throwing ideas around, but I'm thinking... Yes. Imagine imagine talking to Anna Devader and saying, part of your nighttime ritual... Mm before you put on your Captain America jammies <laughs> and you snuggle down into your doona and, and you start to go to dreamland, soap on a rope. Mojo Radio Show, soap on a rope, it's huge. Just, no, Mojo Soap. 
Mojo <laughs> soap. Have you used your Mojo soap? This is my, this is my favorite word. Imagine. Mm. And you guys, because you're in this creative space, it's so easy with you. But if I, you know, if you talk to corporate and you tell them, or oh, imagine, they go, no, 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 no. We have board meeting and we don't need any imagination. <laughs> so this is why we're going to order yellow stress balls again and we're going to do it because uh, we've been doing it for 20 yes, years. Snooze. And yeah, then everyone yeah. goes, no. oh, you just spent 20 grand. No. What, did, what did it give you? Yeah. And it's, it, this, is, this is what actually... This is what actually disturbs me because I think it's not, it's so much better things that we can find yeah. and so much cooler, yeah. um, you know, soap on the rope. It's not, it's not something that nobody's seen before, but it's connected to your show. That's right. connected <laughs> to your audience. Jeez. It's connected to your brand. After all, the show is a little bit stinky, let's be honest. Mojo <laughs> on a rope. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the love, baby. So, Oksana, can we get Impero to do some soap on a rope, some mojo on a rope for us? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> All right. A this little is, rope this is, mojo. This has been a big show already, Robbo. Oh, it's huge. We've, we've already struck gold. Yeah, let's pull up stumps now, mate. It's over. Can, can we make the mojo <laughs> and, and rope gold? What? <laughs> and then that's what, Dan, we can add. Like, this is going to be all, we're going to have a bath party and we can do the, we can do the bathrobe and then we bath can add party. the uh. bath Bath Only if Gary wears his chaps. But it's, it's become like people going to look forward and and waiting. Oh my God, what I'm going to get this month or what I'm going to get this quarter. Robert, what I'm seeing is a gold mojo on a rope. Ooh, I'm seeing you I in like a that. Hugh, Hugh Hefner <laughs> in Just the bathrobe. <laughs> Some playmates. <laughs> I'm thinking that's the Facebook shot, buddy. That's the, that's uh, the front of the album. I'm that so there. The, I'm that so, is the front of the album. As long as it's gold, I'm there, baby. That rocks. <laughs> all right. We're going to leave you to it, Oksana. All, all, we, all we need to know now is when the gold soap and a rope is ready and we are going to – we won't even sell it. We're going to give it away to yeah. people who do nice things for that's the right. show people who, who like to get the mojo working. That's right. People who get our mojo going will get their mojo going with some mojo on a rope. Mojo on a rope and we will put Oksana's link, although we haven't done anything yet, we'll put Oksana's link onto our, uh, onto our page, on mm. our Facebook page and yep. our show notes just to get the party started and then uh, we'll keep people in the loop with how we're going. How about that? Literally in the loop because you literally have a loop on the road. Yeah, they are. See? Someone else is thinking now, Gaz. We're going to keep you in the loop. We're brainstorming here, kids. Absolutely. We're getting creative. We've got Russian creativity. We're loving this. Imagine having a a hot Russian chick on our merch table. I mean, that doesn't get any more rock and roll. It doesn't get any more rock and roll than a hot European chick on your merch table. It's a radio show. I'm blushing. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank you for calling in, Oksana, making the offer. We are yeah. very excited about this. We will talk to you in the next couple of weeks to see how we're progressing with our merch. Oh, how exciting. Imagine what's going to happen next. Wow. That's right. That's the nice thing about this show. We even we don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Oksana. Ciao, guys. Bye. The Mojo Radio Show. That's the best kickoff to a show. <laughs> <laughs> How cool is that? I mean, we've always said a little bit of rock and roll, a little bit country, but we've never really we've never really demonstrated that but i think having a hot european woman selling merchandise on our behalf and gold soap on a rope for that matter puts us in the very cool basket 
<laughs> I think we are going to rocket yeah, up I think the charts so. on the <laughs> iTunes What's Hot list where you've got someone like that on our merch stand. Absolutely. I mean, how, how cool. Mm. Soap on, I mean, come on, soap on a rope. Everybody wants one Who of those. Who wouldn't want one? It's the must-have must <laughs> merchandise of the new year, i got to say. And just think, just see everybody out there who gets one will be able to shower with Gary and Robbo every morning. <laughs> oh, you know what's going to happen now? Are we going to have Karabi and Marco Mendoza yeah. with Dead Daisies and David Lowy on the phone going, okay, guys, you've set the tone now. Yeah, We've got to get on? Dead Daisies soap on a rope. <laughs> Daisy ropes. So um, now that we have merch, uh, mm. we from now on will be sending it out to anybody who leaves us a ratings or a review. Mm. We should send them some of our merch, starting with soap on a rope. And absolutely, just to give people an idea of what we're looking for, we we don't do any advertising on the show. We don't do any sponsorship. We're not one of these shows that talks about it and then does exactly the opposite. There's one show that I listen to, Robbo, and they say there's no. Ad- advertisements, they call it, no sponsorships, and they spend 10 minutes about their movie they are out, their <laughs> app, their cooking book, where they're speaking, yeah, right. the latest books, their yeah. website. It's just like, guys, come on. Yeah. We don't have any of that. Who are you kidding? Yeah. So when we get somebody who does leave a nice review, like Eliza Merrick, who wrote, just one line, mm-hmm. I love the high-quality guests on this show, consistently high-standard and learn something new every week, inspirational. Or Short Tack, who said, this is a cracker. Thank you. Those two words encompass so much for me in terms of the Mojo radio show. I am truly grateful for all that I'm learning, the beautiful guests, the music, and for the mojo I'm getting from listening and acting on what I hear. I love the Mojo radio show. You are going to love some soap soap on a rope. rope. (laughs) Absolutely. But that one, man, solid gold, I reckon. So we have had some, there's another great one here from Josh, and I can't pronounce the last bit. He said, this show is so informative, interesting. I always learn something and it's presented in a truly entertaining manner. So- Which now on, to. Once, yeah, <laughs> once we get our merch, we'll be getting in touch somehow. I don't know how we'll do it yet, but we'll get in touch mm. and we will be popping out the stuff just to people who, because that getting these one-liners, we start the show, we read these things, and I tell you what, it just it just makes you feel good and makes you want to keep going and find even better guests. So totally. well, that's pretty cool. There yeah, that's great, guys. Thank you. Now, let's, uh, before we start, actually, we should get into the show. I think we should get into it, and then we'll come back with the uh, the likes, the Facebook likes at the back of it. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. So, uh, surf's up this week, mate. Yeah, mate. There is nothing that gets your mojo going more than being out with Mother Nature at the back chasing a wave, mm. either body surfing, just jumping around, throwing a ball and doing cricket diving catches in the surf or grabbing a board. And I wrote a story in a blog I do called The Espresso, and a guy got in touch with me, a guy called Tim Simons, who's the head coach at Build Coaching. Mm. And he said, I met a guy called Joel at an event called Rad Livin, best name ever. Yeah. And he said, this guy and his team, in his words, are full of mojo. And he is running a charity or a cause called One Wave is All It Takes. I checked out the website and I got to say, it is super cool. Got in touch with the boys and I just love what they're doing. So thankfully, one of the guys behind it is on the line with us, Joel Pilgrim. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Now, have we found you on a beach somewhere? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm about 200 metres from the beach, but oh. I'm in the office today. Don't tell me Merriweather Beach. Uh, Caves Beach, actually. Oh, nice. Just as nice. <laughs> so, Joel, you're, you're in Newcastle. Just to give us a, a bit of a setup here, mate, tell us what sort of stuff do you do in any sort of given day and who typically are you doing it with? That's such an interesting question, Gary. I, of, I often get asked that and uh, no day looks the same for me. I mean, I could be <laughs> on the beach teaching people how to surf and, and being a part of running the, the programs. Um, I could be writing a grant application. I could be presenting in front of 200 people. I could be having, you know, conversations like this on air. It's, um, it's really interesting, but that's what I love about it. Is there is no same day. What's your background? Because you've got... You've got a background through sort of higher education, haven't you? Like you've studied and done stuff before. Yeah, so I um, went to university for four years. Um, back at, well, I, I grew up in Newcastle, so I'm, I've returned home now. But I studied at Newcastle University and did occupational therapy. So that is based around mental health and physical health. And I right. absolutely explored the, the mental side of things and, and went into working for the last five years in early psychosis for young people experiencing their first episode of psychosis. Right. Now let's let's talk about the sort of the one wave movement and how you came to be involved and how that how that has started with you and Grant. What what was the background to that? Yeah, so Grant actually decided after having an inpatient admission and um, and having quite a tumultuous experience with uh, mental health. He said, I've, I've really got to get people talking. And it stems back to him having um, lots of experiences with anxiety through working, through his working life, through presenting and having to walk out due to anxiety. Um, he was on um, antidepressants for quite a few years um, and, and almost um, hid that from his friends because he didn't want people to see him as that sad dude. And he wanted to really represent himself as that happy-go-lucky person, the life of the party, which he always was. And uh, it all came to a, a halt when um, he had an a episode in Manly in 2013, end of 2012, and he actually um, was at the Australian Open of Surfing and went and grabbed a paddleboard and, and paddled around the, the contest of the semifinal. And at that time, he actually felt that he was doing something great. He was raising money for surf aid and everything was wonderful, but it all came crashing down. And he tells this story and he's, he's given permission for me to share it a lot of times, but he came in off the water and, and got tackled by 10 police officers and then got taken to hospital in, in Manly Mental Health Ward for three weeks. So I guess for, for him, it was a time of, of really hardship. It was, it was the hardest time of his life, but he was lucky enough to have his family around and, and come over from New Zealand to support him through that. And it was surfing during those two hours of leave when he was at hospital. He, he was able to go out and just forget about everything. And, and he came back to the warden and everyone said, what, what happened to you? Like, what, what, where have you been? He said, I've been surfing. And they're like, well, I want what he's having. <laughs> so it was quite a, a natural progression into wanting to do that and wanting to share the vibes. And, and when he moved home to recover in New Zealand, it was talking about his mental health issues with his dad and his two best mates out in the surf that actually changed everything for him. His friends shared for the first time that I've been struggling with mental health issues um, for eight years and I've never shared it. Grant's dad has bipolar and his other friend had anxiety. And, and you know, these are, these are all guys that assumed that nothing was wrong with each other, but it's just the conversation that, that occurred that really helped them understand they're not alone. So my understanding is that Grant, who was the first guy to hit the water for this one-wave movement, he... Had, was, was suffering with anxiety and depression and, and was diagnosed as bipolar. 
that in a very short period of time, he lost his girl, lost his job, mm-hmm. got on this paddleboard, got arrested, and then got diagnosed with bipolar. Yeah. And is it right, my understanding, that he then thought that the, the, the water or the waves, the ocean, was the one place that sort of made him feel like he, he's accepted out there and felt normal. So he decided to jump in the water, but he did it in, like, dressed up in a suit. Is that, is that right? Like that, that's how the whole thing started by Grant getting in the water to find help for himself, but he was dressed up. Is that, is that, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes a little bit stepped back when he was back home and, and couldn't sit on the lounge for more than five minutes due to his anxiety and medication, but he could go surfing for hours and hours. And during that time, he caught a wave and it was that first time that he felt like everything was going to be okay. So that, that theory of one wave is all it takes to really turn your life around. And so he got back and, and decided, I really need to get people talking about this because the only way I'm going to get through it is by having conversations about it and being open and honest. So there was that Thursday night in Bondo Beach in 2013, February, he said, okay, how am I going to do this? <laughs> he grabbed some of his, um, you know, some dress-up clothes, he put a suit and tie on sort of thing and went out with his board shorts on and went surfing that morning. And that was the start of, of what now is called Fluoro Fridays. It started as a board meeting, you know, wear what you want to wear to work that your boss won't let you. <laughs> 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 and then the, the costumes got brighter it started becoming very fluorescent and it coined you know fluoro friday shortly afterwards and right. so that happens every friday at 6 30 in the morning without doubt every day of the year every week of the year sorry wow and we we spoke off air about the Derek sibbers uh dancing guy video which i'll put a link to in the show notes and it's a very famous piece of video for how do you start a movement, how do you start a tribe? And Derek Sivers, who actually we've been talking to about getting him on the show, is just he's caught up programming right now, but we are going to get him on the show at some point, hopefully in the future. And his view was it's not the first guy that starts the movement, it's the second guy that believes in what the first guy wants to do and joins that actually is the most important person to creating the movement. And you were actually that first guy to join Grant, you joined in, was the second the second week of the second board meeting? Yeah, I, I love that video and it, it is quite true in showing the power of the people and, and very much in the One Wave story, in the second week I was um, recommended by a friend, you know, you love dressing up, you love surfing, you love mental health, you've got to go down and meet this guy. So I did and, and then I guess we've been working together in, in pushing One Wave ever since. So just describe for me the One Wave movement and one wave is all it takes, and how that ties in with the Fluoro Fridays. Just tie that together for me so that people can understand what is this movement you've created? Yeah, so One Wave is the organisation itself, and Fluoro Friday is one of the awareness activities that we do. It's our main activity, and it is basically raising, One Wave in general is raising, raising awareness for mental health through um, the, I guess, the identity of the ocean and, and starting conversations based around surfing and the wellness of the ocean. So it's using surfing as a catalyst for change and bringing people to a common place, well, be it the ocean where everyone feels comfortable and everyone wants to be. And it's almost combining the idea of, of an, an issue that's cool, being surfing, with something that's completely uncool in society as mental health. So by bringing them two together, we're really, um, I guess, opposing societal views that you can't talk about mental health and, and it has to be this dark doom and gloom when really mental health is such a normal part of life and, and the mantra behind one wave is it's totally okay to be not okay 
and we, we just need to talk about it. Uh, is that a real issue for us, Joel? I, I, I saw that comment that Grant made on a video I saw online, which I thought was really cool. It's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. Is, is it, if you flip that around, do we think that it's not okay to be not okay? Is that kind of where that's coming from? And your experience of doing this now for a couple of years, is that part of the issue is that we, we don't think it's okay to not be okay? Absolutely. Absolutely, Gary. There's, there's a massive stereotype in society where you can't talk about your issues. If you're struggling, you have to hide it. You know, there's that camaraderie and that blokeship, especially in men. And Movember have, a, have done a great job in, in really highlighting this, mm. that guys especially hide their true feelings. And Grant was one of these people and he understands the, the power that it helped him when he was able to talk about it. So I think that as... As I guess a, a societal um, bunch of people around the world, 450 million people struggle with mental health issues in any one year. But 65% of the people struggling actually don't talk about it. Mm. It's it's alarming. That's that's a that's just it is alarming, isn't it? And I must say that Robbo and I have sort of been down this track with different people doing different things, and it all stems back to this one core thing about you know, getting people to know that or asking mates, are you okay? And getting down to the real issues that people are carrying with them. And Grant calls it being in a funk. Can you just explain in your mind, and that's the terminology of one wave is, you know, we get in this funk. What is a funk and how do I know I'm in a funk and not just having a one-off bad day? So a funk is, is any experience with your mental health issues, basically. So everyone has mental health, well, just as everyone has physical health, but they often don't see the, the two in parallel. Mm. And you can't have one without the other. They absolutely work in harmony. So to be in a, in a funk is when you have a, the ups and downs in life and you're experiencing a down. And whether you have a diagnosed mental health issue or a mental illness, which we don't like to refer to as that because it's more of a strengths-based approach to call it a health issue, but... Basically, if you are experiencing tough times, you're in a funk. And so you don't need to identify with the fact of having an illness, but everyone experiences tough times in their life. And it's all about being able to normalize it and discuss it and, and recognize that, you know, we can talk about this. It doesn't have to be that big elephant in the room or that big dark cloud that everyone ignores. Joel, when somebody asks you, are you okay? And we've spoken to people before about that great organisation that's doing terrific work and somebody says, yeah, mate, I'm fine. In your mind with the movement that you're now a part of that you and Grant have put together, how do you get beyond that, yeah, mate, I'm fine, to get down to find out what really is going on with people? Have you experienced that? Is there a way that you guys think is the best way to get down sort of through that guard? I think, Gary, you've just absolutely nailed it. <laughs> the, uh, we love the guys at ALK. We've, we've done a lot with them. We've partnered for events in the past and, and what they're doing is incredible. But we've found at times people, when they are asked, are you okay, they just sort of push it away. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. And, um, it's, I find that, well, through my clinical work as an occupational therapist, I find that you need to be able to establish connection, trust, rapport, 
Um, and, and then you can have meaningful conversations and connect with people. Um, and we're actually connecting with people through the idea of sharing lived experience at Fluoro Fridays and formulating that connected community based around the ocean where people can start to understand that, you know, I'm normal, I can share this stuff. And as a result, now we have people that can come to us and say, I'm really struggling. Or we might even just check in with people down there, hey, how are you traveling? And I think a lot of the times with that are you okay question, people don't want to hear that they're not going well or should I reframe that and say that they are afraid of what they're going to respond if they're struggling? And that's one question that I often get asked is what do I say if one of my friends or family are not doing well? And I think when you ask that question, you just need to be ready. You just need to be ready that you know, shit's not going to be great all the time. You know, sometimes things in life aren't so great and, and people, when they have the opportunity to share that, they might even trust you to be able to share that things aren't going well. And when they do, you don't have to have the answers. You, know, you don't have to be the person that has everything to say and all the answers. In fact, you don't need to say anything at all. Mm. You're, uh, you're absolutely a shoulder for them to lean on. And I guess are you okay is, is a very um, quick way of saying it. I would, I would normally say to someone, Hey mate, how you going? You know, just checking in. How are things traveling for you at the moment? And that way, it's a little bit more of an open-ended mm. question, and it's not a closed response. Being yes, yeah. I'm yeah. okay. Mm. Joel, why is the ocean so powerful? I I really like what you're doing, and a number of times you've mentioned getting in the water, the waves. What Grant went through when he he found that place out there in the water. Why? Why do you think the ocean, whether we're on a board or we're just in the ocean bobbing around or body surfing, why is the ocean so powerful in your mind? Oh, there's a whole host of answers to that question, Gary. It's, um, <laughs> the ocean is magic. I often refer to it as magic. It's, it's got so many powers to bring people together, to formulate connections, to, I guess, forget about all the bullshit that life throws at you and bring everyone together in a common space to share something that's so special. Um, and there's increasing research around the um, you know, chemistry of the brain when it gets into the ocean, the endorphin release, and the positivity of physical health on your mental health is, is well known in, regardless of what sport. But I think the ocean is, is particularly useful because it's a rite of passage for most Australians that live on the coastline, but it's also something that a lot of people look up to. to I, I want to become a surfer. I would love to experience that. And the sheer elation on people's face when we're able to share that with people in the surfing experience for the first time is, is incredible. I mean, these people that have never touched foot in the ocean before, they get out there and it's hard to explain. I mean, I've got goosebumps now talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> the whole one wave thing has now found its way into the corporate world as well. Tell us about the one wave corporate program. How does that work and who would normally be involved? Yeah, so our vision is actually to reach as many people with conversations around mental health as possible. And that absolutely started by the coastline and by the beaches and Florida Fridays. But there's a big need for this kind of conversation in a workplace because mm. in the corporate world, the stresses and pressures from you know management and even from within, there's, there's constantly pressure saying you've got to achieve, you've got to push yourself. And quite often people are pushing themselves out on a limb where they, they feel isolated, they feel that they can't talk about their mental health issues and um, the office and the workplace is some, sometimes where people struggle the most. So we actually have a one-way corporate experience where we go into the workplaces and we present to them in almost an office lunch and learn kind of presentation yep, work. Yep. 
And um, we're, we're presenting the story of One Wave and it's, it's an inspirational kind of talk, but it's also sharing the, um, the true meaning behind it and the importance of speaking up. We've spoken at, at countless sort of um, presentations and workplaces, including Fairfax Media, Red Balloon, NAB, um, Macquarie, uh, Westpac. So we've, we've certainly been open, uh, welcomed with open arms, but I think it really goes to show the, the need for this kind of thing in the workplace. Mm. So the corporate experience includes um, the presentation, you know, how to start that conversation, what to do when you have someone struggling, how to identify the risk factors, um, the importance of looking after yourself in mindfulness and meditation. We even partner with yoga instructors to, to run a, a yoga experience in the workplace sometimes. It, it really is tailored to benefit that organisation. I guess the, the fact of the matter is greater return on investment for the managers. They're going to get more out of their employees if they invest yeah. in them. And it's not yeah. about just showing that you care. It's more about being able to show people that they can really talk about these things and they're going to be supported in this workplace. What changes have you seen, Joel? There must be some wonderful stories come to mind in the years you've been running this now for three odd years. What changes have you seen in people? Is there an example you can give us of somebody who came down that's a standard examples of the power of what you're doing. And I, and I think what I love about the stuff you're doing is you're using the water in the ocean, but you, you constantly mention this whole conversation. It's just getting people to talk about it. That sounds like a core message in what you're doing. What changes have you seen in people who come into the program? So on the beach, there's um, countless stories. I mean, uh, one comes to mind that's particularly powerful, and when I speak, I often talk about that. Um, there was a, a young girl named Tony who came down to Florida Friday and she'd been down there probably a handful of times and she started to get the feel of the place and, and the, the fact that we get together, we sit in a circle and there's upwards of 50 or 60 people each week on the beach. And um, someone each week shares their story about mental health. So that lived experience um, and sharing stories is what is normalising the experiences of other people and other people hear that like, oh, I'm not alone anymore. So Tony came down one morning and she... Um, she said to Grant and I before the, the talk started, guys, can I speak this morning? And uh, it, we said, yeah, great, we've got no one this morning. You're, you're absolutely up, no problem. And she shared in front of 50 or 60 people that morning that she was down there on the Thursday night before at Bondo Beach with rocks in her pockets only eight hours earlier and she decided that she did not want to live anymore. And she had packed rocks into her pockets in order to walk into the ocean and sink herself. So she did not get through the shore because it was quite strong and the shore break was pushing her back onto the sand. So then she collapsed on the sand and said, if I can just make it to Flora Friday, everything will be okay. And it sounds a little bit stereotypical, but that's exactly what happened. She, she made it to Flora, she dragged herself down there and she was very obviously upset. And she was able to share this story with those people in front of her. It was such a powerful moment, but it was in the absolute, you know, depths of despair that she decided that enough is enough, mm. I need to talk mm. about this. And that conversation ended in a 50 or 60 person group hug and everyone was cheering and there was a, oh, it was just so powerful but so amazing to see that through one person's story, standing up and saying, I'm not afraid yeah. to talk about this yeah. originally, yeah. he's yeah. inspired all these people around the world and, and there's almost 20,000 people around the world following what we're doing and, and reaching out every week. I mean, it's a full-time job responding to those people. But <laughs> It's amazing because we're finally giving these people a voice and they're saying, I live in um, Pakistan or I live in Sri Lanka and I don't, I'm so isolated, but you guys have helped me understand that I'm not alone in this great big world. 
You've got a number of beaches doing this now. You've mentioned Bondi a few times. You're obviously running one up in Newcastle where you live. Where else in the world are these Fluoro Friday board meetings happening? Yeah, so they started in Bondi, um, and that was obviously the home, the birthplace of One Life. And then through our colourful social media presence, we've been able to reach over 100 beaches around the world to date. Huh. And it's incredible to see that, that happening. It's, it's quite a... Um, an easy thing to pick up and to, to take and, and replicate in other different places. Yeah. So we've, people say, how do I start this where I'm from? And we, we send them all the information and, and then they send us the content and then we post it via social media. And um, I guess we've, we've got uh, on, the, on our birthday this year, on the 18th of March um, in 2016, we had our third birthday. And on that one day at exactly the same time, we had 52 locations around the world. Um, and on Bondo Beach alone, we had around 600 people. And you oh, might have really? a really powerful photo of people linking arms all along the shoreline. But that is um, basically to represent the only way that we're going to beat this issue that so many people battle alone is by standing strong together. That's a great... Oh, I actually saw that photo on Instagram, I think, of that uh, everybody linked on the beach. That was a cool... That was a cool shot. That was a really cool photo. Absolutely, absolutely. There was a the idea was to have a um, a one minute silence for all the people that we have lost to suicide, and then to do a Mexican wave through the whole line to show and raise awareness for people who are still struggling, and to show that we are here and support it. What's been the greatest challenge, Joel, for for you and Grant as the the first two guys who started dancing together to do this whole thing? What's what's been the greatest challenge for you to create this movement? Do you think? Yeah, there's another big list there, Gary. <laughs> time, um, mate. <laughs> in particular, I think the um, having to make the jump into, um, I guess, making it financially sustainable, because mm. it's all well and good to put a put a lot of love into this thing, and, and for two and a half years we were doing just that. It was completely pro bono, and we had no financials involved. And then we had big dreams, big visions, and we needed money to make that happen. So we actually had a crowdfunding campaign, and that in itself was an absolute battle. But we ended up getting there. Um, but I think the, the societal stereotype around the not-for-profit space and not being able to make money or draw money and, and having to justify time, and I mean, it goes on. But at the end of the day, if you're you know passionate enough about chasing something, you'll do anything to make it happen. So... Mm. Grant and I have actually, um, well, I lived in Bondi for the last five years and I've moved back up to Newcastle where I'm from to actually start the pilot of the new model of the surfing experience that we've designed. Mm. And, um, you know, I live at home with my parents again and that's a bit of a, a backseat in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can understand that. Yeah. But if you're, if you're passionate enough to chase it, you will literally do anything you can. And at the moment, we are not sustainable. We're, we're working out ways of becoming that and through the corporate experience and through different models and it's all exciting stuff but I think at the end of the day you need to have money to make real global change in the world and Jack Delosa is someone who talks about money yep, so yep. well he says yep. you it, people say to him oh you're just doing this to make money he says no I'm not doing this to make money I'm making money to be able to do this mm. and I think that that's the, that's the stereotype that we need to overcome in that not-for-profit space I mean we've got the Adam Brawns over in America who really pioneered the four-purpose movement where you're, instead, you're telling someone what you're not. You're actually saying that you're a for-purpose, not a not-for-profit. Yeah, yeah. So let's just camp out there for a second. How, how have you and Grant gone about doing that? Because what I find really interesting with this, and the reason 
I wanted to get you on the show is I think the cause that you're working towards and the purpose is absolutely necessary in society. I love the fact that you've started a movement. I love the, the, the category you've created, like the, the colourful category you've created, the lives you're changing. So you start doing this, beaches start getting on board, you having to start doing more, you're spending more time on social, that's eating into your own time. You're an occupational therapist. How, how have you guys been able to sustain yourselves? Is it through the corporate programs you do in association with it? Is it a separate, a separate job you have working somewhere that funds what you're doing? Like, just for someone who's sitting at home, Joel, who goes, you know, I've always wanted to help a cause. Uh, however, I've got financial responsibilities. H- how have you navigated that? Yeah, I guess um, there's no right or wrong answer there. It's, it's uh, teething the problems out. Um, yeah. Financially, um, I've taken a huge backseat role from my job as a therapist. Um, I, was, I actually was told that I was an idiot for leaving the best job in the state as an occupational therapist um, in the uh, you know, pioneering health centre doing world first things. But it was my time to go. You know, I, I had big dreams and it was, it was time to chase something bigger. And um, yes, I was in a place in my life where I didn't have a mortgage, I didn't have a family or children I had to look after, so I was lucky in that regard. Um, but the crowdfunding campaign initially is where we got the funding to be able to make the programs happen around um, our sort of uh, desired starting point. Um, so that funded uh, $55,000 we raised and that funded four one-wave surfing experiences, the expansion of Fluoro Friday in a number of locations and as a result of those program costs, our time was included in that um, yeah, to a yeah. degree. So, I mean, there is the whole um, Aussie Battler um, story of getting uh, – their Uber driver's license. <laughs> I've, I've been an Uber driver for about the last year and that's been really great to be able to get flexible around having to yeah. present in different workplaces and do things here and there. But there's also the success story of, um, of using that as an opportunity, as a conversation starter. And yeah. within 30 seconds of being in an Uber, the, people, the, the rider asks you, oh, so what's your other job on the side of Uber? And I say, oh, I help run this organisation, does this, this and this. And in fact, on Melbourne Cup last year, I, I picked up a rather inebriated person who um, proceeded to um, organise a meeting with me three weeks later and said, I want to meet up with you in the principle of One Wave. So we went in there and, and realised that this was a penthouse of some very um, wealthy company and he invested $20,000 and he said, I don't need to know what this money goes towards. I just want to be able to help more people and inspire people like you. Nice. That's cool. So it's um, through those big donations from from corporates when we present to them and they actually feel connected and want to help out that we've got, you know, the likes of NAB, Lululemon, a bunch of companies that have really said that we believe in what you guys are doing. So in terms of grants and applications like that, we were moving that space as well, but uh, we're going to launch a, a fundraising campaign platform um, you know, in a couple of months, which will be really exciting as well. How do you do the, the crowdfunding, crowdsourcing thing, Joel? Like, what did you use a particular, is that through a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo or is that a separate platform you use for that? Like, how, how did you set that up to be able to raise that 50-odd grand? Yeah, so the um, platform we use was startsomegood.com and they're very right, much yep. some of the others that you've mentioned. And yep. the idea behind crowdfunding is that you need to get over a certain amount of money to be able to reach the tipping point. Yep. And um, they say that you don't want to you know, publicly, publicly promote your campaign unless you've got 30% of your total amount 
because otherwise the public won't buy into it. They won't think that it's going to hit that amount. Yeah. Uh, so we we actually um, did it many different ways of, of getting the community to go out and raise at you know fun runs and, and parties and um, we had a, a big fundraiser in Bondi which raised 20000 in one night. We also had a philanthropic organisation come to us and say, we want to get you guys over the line. And the Vasudara Foundation have been amazing in helping us do that. But it was, I guess, a really joint effort, but it was so stressful. But the idea of crowdfunding is to be able to say to, the, to your audience, your global audience, and it helped that we did have a, a 20,000 strong audience to say, this is what we want to achieve and being really clear and transparent about your objectives and your outcomes and saying, this is what we need to make it happen. And for this amount of money, you will get this back. And often when people give to a great cause, they don't want something back, but that helps you in in sort of convincing people that that little bit extra will get you that little bit more. So what sort of stuff could you give them back? I mean, did you offer, is it surfing lessons and guidance? I mean, what if I decided to support you guys through this um, Start Some Good platform, what, what could I expect in return for helping you financially? Yeah, so it was all broken down into tiers and um, there was uh, a poster, there was access to um, visual merchandise online, there was, um, uh, in terms of um, the, the apparel kind of stuff with, um, you know, your organisation is always an option, but then it steps up into the corporate sort of thing where if, you, if a large organisation makes a big donation, then you will get the experience of a corporate experience in your yeah, workplace. Yeah, yeah. Bring them to the sand and do that corporate experience in the water. Um, it, we, you get really creative with how you can yeah. give when you don't necessarily have much to give back. Now, speaking of fundraising, do I believe there's a black tie ball coming up shortly near you? You bet. But I'm sorry to say, Gary, it's actually sold out. Oh, Robbo, <laughs> we can't go, buddy. Oh, the, next. It's the inaugural ball, and there's an amazing bunch of uh, community members in Newcastle who have said, we want to make a ball happen to raise money for you guys. So there's yeah. 240 people in a sold-out venue up there on the beach in Merriweather, the Merriweather Surf House. Um, it's on the 28th of May, and um, that is basically the, the first of many, I believe, because there's so many people that want to do this, that want to give back, that want to have a great night for a good cause. Um, there's always the option of getting online and donating via the link on our website, um, com. But, you know, there's people reaching out and, and giving so much more than just monetary support as well, which is amazing. You know, I've, I've recently been lucky enough to have contact from a global health researcher over in Canada and she said, well, I really believe in what you guys are doing and I want to help you prove it on a global stage. So a month later, I'm now managing a research team of uh, six different people from four different countries. And the power of the people is incredible. What's been the true highlight for you, Joel? Yep. You, you took this on... And what I admire about what you've done is not only the movement itself, but you were the guy that went in to create the movement as the second person in because you believed in Grant. It, it combined all the things that you loved and you've stuck with it. You've made obviously made sacrifices. When you look back at the last three odd years that the movement has been happening, what's been the, for you personally, what's been a true highlight for you? Oh, there's been so many amazing highlights. I mean, seeing Grant speak and, and seeing the power and conviction in his story is amazing. And I'll, I'll support him till the grave. But when it came down to the fact that um, I was able to bring my clinical expertise into this area of the field, I was so grateful. And I was always um, involved in running physical health groups in the mental health setting and, and the importance of one and the other and having the two working in combination. But I think that that really rung true for me when I was able to design a program which I presented to the health service and the director of mental health services in Sydney said to me that you've basically got rocks in your head. This is not going to work. 
And so I then went another six months and designed it further and presented it again and they said no. So instead of getting those constant setbacks, it's just using them as, a, as stepping stones to move towards where you need to be. And um, it got to the point where we had um, an amazing organisation come to us, um, Partners in Recovery, and we had a team of people help um, further the model that which I had designed and actually implement it in an NGO setting with mental health consumers. And the night that that program launched, we had 250 people in an auditorium at Bondi and we were sharing the story of one way of surfing experience and, and how it all came about. And um, the actual... Um, participants, the 10 participants from the program who their lives had quite clearly been changed and you can see a documentary on our um, Vimeo account. I can yeah. send you guys all those links if you yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, do that, yep. And um, it shows the absolute power of transformation over that eight-week one-way surfing experience program that these guys were so socially isolated. They were really, um, I guess, desperate to, to get through their mental health issues and by bringing them together in a, in a common place on the sand, we, we were able to research that really well with the University of New South Wales and have some incredible results in data as well as the documentary that was made by Bo Pilgrim. And uh, it, it really highlights and showcases that transformation. And, um, and that night we had all 10 participants on stage and one of them had actually gone and shaped a surfboard. He'd never done it before and he presented it to Grant and said, thank you for giving us the opportunity to change our lives. Wow. Mate, I've got, I've got two questions for you that relate back to what you're doing. Uh, sitting on the sand, people coming down into a circle, 50, 60 people standing in a circle, do you think the sand and the ocean has some sort of effect in a creative sense, in a relaxing sense? Because you do corporate programs that you talked about in boardrooms, and I suspect you could do it in a boardroom, the boardroom table, or you could do it on the sand. There must be chalk and cheese between what you can get a result of those two sessions, all to do with the environment. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that um, this all stems back to the strengths model, and it's a model by Charles Rapp. And uh, he talks about the community being an oasis of naturally occurring resources. And I think that through getting out of the corporate world or getting out of the hospital setting and getting into the community is where the magic happens. Mm. So as I said, being a clinician, I was running groups in the health service and those often those four-walled clinical settings is what people were quite um, apprehensive about even getting involved in, let alone sharing. But by being able to cut down all those barriers to you know, abolish that Great Wall of China between the client-therapist relationship and just acknowledge the fact that we're all human, we're all the same, and being able to get out there on the sand is A, letting people break down their, their barriers and let down their guard, but it's encouraging that comfortable nature of, you know, we're all in this together. It's like that high school musical song, we're all in this together. <laughs> right. You do that so well. <laughs> but basically, sand is something that is being, it's, it's, taking away all those barriers like we talked about. It's getting people out of that stressful office environment and being able to come down and have real conversations with real people. Final question for you, and uh, Robbo and I are both U2 fans, and I remember seeing an interview with Bono, and he said his glasses, whatever he was wearing, was a barrier between the audience, the general public, and him as an identity. 
And Beyonce talks about having her caricature that goes on stage, which is Sasha Fierce, which is different to the Queen Bee who is at home with her family. Where I'm going with this is I'm curious to see how big a part the Fluoro Friday dressing up in Fluoro clothes is and whether that is in some way creates this, I don't know, bridge that allows me to maybe speak out, share more because I'm in a pseudonym, like I'm dressing up in something that's a little bit left of field and a bit different to how I am normally in my day-to-day. I'm not exactly sure I'm going with this, Joel, but is, is, is the fluoro clothing, do you think that is a, it is one of the bridges that helps break down and ease into the conversation? Yeah, no, I really like where you're going with it, Gary. It's, <laughs> <laughs> should be clear, though, that we should be clear, though, that Gary's the Beyonce fan, I'm the U2 fan. <laughs> love it, brother. So basically, yes. The answer is yes. The the fluoro is a catalyst for change. The surfing is a catalyst for change. But it's actually allowing people to dress up and almost put on a facade. They don't have to be themselves completely. And the um, the fluoro is it's the really bright, bright fluorescent colours, which is opposing the dark doom and gloom of depression. And it's actually a, a catalyst for conversation where people are able to, um, you know, you walk down the street to a Fluoro Friday at six o'clock in the morning on the way to the beach and people say, what are you doing? And it's a conversation starter. You know, a lot of the times we've had people say, oh, are you coming home from a, a bender in the cross? <laughs> but in fact, it's, it's no, we're not. And this is what we're doing. And over a 30 second conversation, they all go, oh, that's awesome. And so for people coming down there, some people that are experiencing mental health issues don't want to dress up. They don't want to be that, um, you know, life of the party in the eye of the camera, um, drawing attention to themselves. And so you don't have to wear fluoro when you come down. Um, But it certainly acts as that, I guess, as you say, with Bono and his glasses, that that barrier between what's really going on inside and and allowing people to be comfortable with in their own skin. Mm. Have you, always, have you always bought into Grant's dream? Like, was there a dream from the start where you sat at that first board meeting in week two of One Wave's creation on a Fluoro Friday? Has there always been a dream from the start of what you guys, what Grant and or you bought into? Is, it, is there a, a dream that you, to this day, still go, I know where we're going? It certainly meanders along that S-Bend sort of road. Um, at the start... Grant's uh, vision was to help people understand that, well, I guess if, if he could change one person's life and turn them around from experiencing what he did, then his job was done. And so then that morphed into starting as many conversations around mental health as possible. Um, and then that morphed into we weren't reaching the people, like everyone, because the people that were really struggling can't make it down there. So then we went into the higher needs support program with the one-way surfing experience. But at the end of the day, we will always remain strong and true to the fact that we want to be able to reach as many people as possible and change as many people's lives for the better. Mm. That's cool. Love what you're doing, mate. I think this is uh, this is a great movement. I applaud you for being the guy that believed in it and started dancing with Grant. And uh, <laughs> where can we... Um, people listening to this will either be in it themselves or they will know somebody that they would like to mention this to. Where would you send people, Joel? 
Yeah, so if you want to find out more, you can head to our website. It's onewaveisallittakes.com. And we've got, as I mentioned earlier, a really colorful social media platform. And our sort of main draw card is Instagram. So at onewaveisallittakes on Instagram as well. Twitter is onewaveorg. Well, this is cool, Robbo. Good conversation. It's very cool. It's uh, it's awesome stuff, man. It's so inspiring. Thanks so much for giving us the opportunity to, to share the story, guys. It's awesome to <laughs> catch up with you. No, look, it's um, mate, it's our pleasure. We get, I think, we get more out of it than our, probably, probably our listeners do. Yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, I've also got a really cool playout song for us today, Robbo. Oh yeah, okay. Actually, Look forward to it. What we do before we before I give you my playout song, mm. you should hit Joel. With do you reckon he's ready for it? Oh, look, look, he's a Newcastle guy. Yeah, that's true. I think, I think he knows how to bring it. He's a surfer dude. I, th- I think, I, I, look, I, I would just throw it out there, see what he says. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, I've got in mind, I've got, a, I've got a band in mind Let's that, that he might pick being in Novocastrian, but let me just see where he goes with this. Um, <laughs> Joel, you're heading down to the beach in the morning. You've, it's, you know, the sun's just rising. You've got your board under your arm, but your mojo's not quite there this morning as you're heading towards the beach. So you, you reach for your iPhone and you stick the headphones on. What's the, stong, what's the song that goes on on iTunes to get your mojo pumped before you hit the surf? <laughs> I've actually got a goosebump song in the moment. At the moment, and yeah. it's uh, "Hey Baby" by DJ Otzi. Okay, it's uh, it's one of those songs where he sings to the audience, and they all sing back in a big echo, and it's such a buzzer, and oh. it gives goosebumps when I hear it. And it's it really rings true for me that we are all in this together, and we all are contributing to the conversation, one way or another. one. Love it. We haven't had that one before, guys. No, that's cool. Well, I hope we have contributed to your conversation. Uh, we would love to keep in touch with you boys and see how this whole thing unfolds. And uh, from what you've said and where you're going and looking at your website and your Insta account and stuff, mate, I think uh, I think you're on a way, but I reckon there's a couple of big ones out the back that you're about to get on. So um, keep paddling, brother. Thank you. I think if I'm going to leave anyone with a lasting message, it would be if you or anyone you know is struggling, then help is out there. I think it's really important to know that there are so many people to talk to that overcoming that barrier to be able to speak up and say, I'm I'm really struggling at the moment is hard, but your world's going to change for it. It's interesting, isn't it? It becomes a punchline sometimes. I mean, I watch, you know, stories about people who've committed suicide on the on the nightly news and all that sort of stuff, and they do their, you know, don't forget to contact Lifeline. But it, it, you can tell that they're just they're just saying the words. There's no real feeling behind it, and that's what I like about you guys is you're actually out there putting something behind it and and sort of following up rather than just you know using it almost as a punchline is not the right word, but you get my gist. Yeah, and by being able to normalise it, it's it's being able to make it less scary yeah. for people. That's right. And being able to realise that I too can be that person, that brave person that speaks up and reaches out for help. That's great. We've also got help on our website if people want to um, find out more information about that. Awesome. Well, we're probably keeping you from uh, the water, so we'll (laughs) let you go, buddy. Thanks so much for your time, Joel. It was really good, good hooking up with you, mate. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Let's keep in touch. The Mojo Radio Show. Mate, I already liked that interview. So did I. I liked it. And speaking of likes, what a beautiful segue. Oh. <laughs> That's what I like about you. Hey, hey, hey. 
The Mojo Radio Show. Now you're really starting to sound like a hard-ass radio man. <laughs> so let's uh, very quickly mm-hmm. thank you to the people who have started liking us on Facebook. Tig and McGovern, Carol Temaru, Rochelle Jacobs, Sarah Nixon, Penny mm-hmm. Butler, Ian Hasty. Oh. Waris Khan, and I've got to say, without going through the list, I think half of the subcontinent, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, <laughs> India, are now following us on Facebook. I reckon that might have had something to do with Mr. Kasperwitz. What do you reckon? It had a lot to do with Mr. Kasperwitz, Australia's test bowling legend. Yeah. Um, another one, uh, I think it's Avi Toppelberg has started yeah. liking us on hey, Facebook and have sent us a really nice message. So thanks, guys. We appreciate it. It mm. does. Uh, it keeps the show rolling, gives us our mojo. And uh, I think we're almost done. What else you got for me? Oh, mate, I've got this. Hang on a sec. Robbo's MasterChef Masterclass. In usual Mojo fashion, mate, I've come up with a new segment, <laughs> like it or not. So, uh, <laughs> MasterChef, what do you got? Mate, uh, hot on the heels of, of my little breakfast recipe last week, I have discovered the most amazing pudding you will ever come across. And you know I love my pudding, right? Pudding. Pudding, right. yeah. But also keeping in mind your little rave about last week about healthy stuff, cop yep. this, these are the ingredients. Three large avocados, a quarter of a cup of cacao powder, uh, coconut milk, vanilla extract, some a tablespoon of coconut oil and two tablespoons of raw honey. Chuck mm. them in a blender, blend it all up, stick it in the fridge for about half an hour and you'll have the closest thing to a chocolate mousse that you've ever tasted and you will go back for more. Trust me, it is so good. That just sounds like a giant fat bomb, but, I mean, fat in a good way. Good you know, fat, with cacao yeah. cacao and mm. avocado and stuff. That's, yeah. um, Coconut milk. Yeah, those sorts of puddings are excellent mm. for a nighttime snack because they are basically a fat bomb. And if you mm. go into fat bombs and fat desserts and stuff, you will see a few of them on the interwebs mm. and they are said to be really, really good for you. So um, the other thing with that, Mm -hmm. I'll just add, was a study I found this week in the Washington Post, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Mm. Um, And the headline, which is one you'll like, is why drinking red wine and eating chocolate may be good for your gut. (sighs) Someone's thinking of me for once. (laughs) Now, the opening line says, diversity is good for your gut and red wine might help. There were two studies published on Thursday in Science, which is a big medical journal, Mm. The researchers from Belgium and the Netherlands presented the most comprehensive work on the human microbiome to date. Yep. They studied the poop of thousands of people and mapped yeah. out that there are certain species of bacteria that live inside our gut. Yeah. Without reading through the whole study, where it ties back to what you just talked about mm. is that they claim there is a good reason to enjoy chocolate and wine. Now, let's caveat by saying 70% raw cacao dark chocolate and not just normal dairy milk chocolate or the other stuff that's basically just sugar. This is high cacao, 70% or more. Mm. If done in moderation, this can be very good for your gut and positively impacts gut diversity. Mm. On the other hand, high-calorie, carb-dense diets had the opposite effect to the microbiome and the Mm. diversity in your gut. So the takeout is I would give that dessert of yours a crack. It's actually Mm. a lot more than just the the fat bomb. It's healthy fat, which takes away your appetite and gives you 
are basically a new fuel to burn rather than living on sugar, which is normally in desserts. The mm. second part is good for your gut. Absolutely. Not just a pretty face after all. All right. Well, good show. Let's... <laughs> yes. um, my choice this week. It is. I reckon mm. that if we have people on their way to work, sitting at their desk at work with the headphones on or in the car, mm. flipping down the highway, based on the fact we've been surfing today, we've been out in the waves catching tubes, man, let's play <laughs> some Beach Boys. Oh, let's go there. Totally. We're out. I, I love the colourful clothes you wear. And the way the sunlight plays upon her head I hear the sound of a gentle On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air I'm picking up good vibrations She's giving me the excitations I'm backing up Smile, I know she must be kind In her eyes She goes with me to a blossom room I'm picking up good vibrations She's giving me the excitations I'm picking up good vibrations She's giving me the
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time. <laughs>